Hey, this is Jason Hansen. I'm the lead pastor at Anchor Church. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope that as you listen, you're encouraged in your walk with Jesus to live for him, to tell others about him. Thank you for joining us. I hope that you're encouraged. You ever get caught in a, um, a YouTube vortex? Do you know what I mean by that? Like a YouTube black hole? You know, you, you, you click on a video and you're like, oh, that was kind of funny or whatever. And then it says suggested videos. And there's another one that's almost the same. And you just wind up, you just kind of go down a, a rabbit hole, right? <laughs> of trying to look up YouTube vortex um, videos. I, I was recently um, on a AFV, America's Funniest Home Videos, YouTube vortex. And one of the things that's great about America's Funniest Home Videos is that we get to laugh at people's misfortune, right? <laughs> It's one of the joys of, of America's Funniest Home Videos. Uh, now, now, we do that um, knowing that these people aren't really hurt, right? Or at least they're not like long time impaired, maybe is the way to say it. I don't know. But, but, we, but, we, but we laugh at people's misfortune. And I, the one that I was watching, it finally got to one that was entitled something like Wave Wipeouts. Wave Wipeouts. And you can imagine what that kind of is. It's, it's people at the beach and just getting taken out by waves, and it was great. Like, there's people, you know, standing up on the cliffs, they're at their back, they're trying to take a selfie, and you just see it coming, you're like, this is gonna be good. And sure enough, the wave just takes them out of the back, and their phone goes flying, and they land, and everybody's laughing, you know, their family over taking the videos, laughing at them, and then someone else is standing in the, in the shore, they're trying to, like, wade out, and just a wave comes and knocks them over. Just over and over again, just wave wipeouts. Just love watching wave wipeouts, love watching people get taken out as long as as long as they're not really hurt, right? As long as they're not really injured. And I think we can all experience something like wave wipeouts. Only, only sometimes when we experience wave wipeouts, not, it's not at the beach, sometimes we experience wave wipeouts that has more to do with life. The waves of life just wind up knocking us over and it's less funny. You, ever, you know what I mean by that? Where we, have, where we have just times of life where just waves come and just knock us to the ground. Wind comes. Maybe we call it the storms of life. Maybe we could say it's the storms of life that wind up hitting us and knocking us over. You know, the winds and the waves, and even sometimes we get into the shipwrecks of life. And in those moments, we don't wind up going down a YouTube vortex. We wind up going down a question vortex. As Christians, sometimes we can get into situations where we begin asking questions like, where is God? Does he, does he care? Is he here for me? Did he forget about me? Do I even care about him? Those kinds of questions, because, because judging from how deeply or how strongly this wave, this storm hits us, it can actually cause us to ask these kinds of faith rocking questions. Does God care? Is God present in this? I think that, I think that what we're going to see from Acts 27 through 28 in our series called Multiply, we have uh, this sermon and one more, and then we're finished with Acts. So we've, we've finished the whole book, which is amazing, isn't it? It seemed like yesterday in some ways that we started it, and in some ways, because of the pandemic, it seemed like years ago. But, we, but we, we, we are here in Acts. We have two sermons left. And I think what we're going to see in Acts chapter 27 is this, that God is still in the storms of life. God has not left. 
God is still in the storms of life. He's still there in the wind and the waves and the storms and the, the shipwrecks of life. God is not absent. That, those, those questions that we can ask, the faith-rocking questions, is God, is God there? We're going to see that he actually is. But the question for us maybe that we want to make sure we understand today and we want to answer is, how do we fight to believe this in the midst of those storms. I heard somebody say once, and I, I think I maybe I mentioned this last week too, but you know, um, trying to learn about suffering and believing in God in the storms of life while you are in those storms of life is really difficult. We want to make sure that we understand about the storms of life um, before we hit them in some ways so we can prepare our hearts for that. And that's what today's message is going to be. As we think about being disciples who are growing as Christians, multiplying uh, other disciples. We live the disciple cycle. We, we are discipled. We disciple others. We make disciples. As we are in that being discipled, we want to make sure that we understand this. So God is still in the storms of life, and I think Paul in Acts 27 is going to help us. I'm just going to read the first four verses. This is longer than that. It's a chapter and ten verses. I'm going to read the first four verses, and then we're going to uh, just break it down a bit, and we're going to figure out how we can live it out. So Acts 27, beginning in verse 1. And when it was decided that we should set sail for Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. And embarking in a ship of Andromedon, which was about to sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea, accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. The next day we put in at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go to his friends and be cared for. And putting out to sea from there, we sailed under the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. So sailing, they're getting ready to sail, and all of a sudden it seems Something's not right. The winds, Paul says, were against us. Now, Paul is here. He's heading to Rome. If you remember, he appealed to Caesar. So he, he appeals to Caesar, and he goes to Caesar. He's on his way. He's heading there right now. And actually, because we didn't read it all, I think one of the ways that we can understand what happens here is just by looking at the headings. You know those bold headings? In your Bibles, it actually gives us a good, a good storyline, a good outline of what happens here. We see that Paul sails for Rome, and if you look right before verse 13, if your Bible's like mine, it says, the storm at sea. So the winds were against Paul, and it turns into a storm at sea. And then if you look right before verse 39, it says, the shipwreck. So you have winds against Paul. You have the storm hits at sea. It's a brutal storm. And then you have a shipwreck that takes place. Then you see that Paul does arrive on Malta right before uh, verse 1 of chapter 28. That's essentially the outline of what happens. It's an increasing storm. The winds seem to be against them. The storms raged up. The waves began to cast onto the boat, breaking it up. The ship sinks. And Paul makes it to Malta. But in the midst of all of this, what we want to recognize and realize is that Paul is going to Rome, right? Which was God's plan, 
God promised that Paul would make it to Rome. And following in God's footsteps, doing what God had called him to do, there was still wind against him. Wind was against Paul. Paul had winds and waves and shipwrecks hit him. He had winds and waves and shipwrecks uh, in his path to do what God was actually calling him to do. You ever feel like the winds are against you? You ever, in in a situation in life, feel like the winds just seem to be against me. You, you have, look, all you have to do is live long enough, right? The older I get, the more I start to recognize that, man, this life, in a lot of ways, just plain stinks. Because there are so many times in life where the winds seem to be against us. Life hits. Life comes at us full force. Something tries to take us out. If you think about your life situations, you think there are things in this life that you are dealing with in your family, in your friendships, in your own just person, your job, uh, relationally, whatever it is, where you're looking at it and thinking, this does not seem right. It seems like the winds are against me. It seems like the storms and the waves are ready to take me out. It seems like not only is this dangerous, but I think this life is about to become a shipwreck. You ever feel like that? Have you felt like that in your life? I could point to times in my life where I felt like that. You just feel like something's not right. You know, I grew up being a teenager, and a teenager you feel like, ah, I know what life's going to be like. It's going to be great, right? I got, a, I got stuff going on like nothing's, nothing's going wrong. You know why? Because I don't have to pay for anything yet. I, had not, I didn't own anything. I didn't have to pay for anything. I just lived off the land. Like, this is great. And then, and then all of a sudden you wind up having to pay for things and then you have children and then you get a job and then, and then more responsibility and all of a sudden you get older and, and you just realize, man, there, there's a lot of problems in this life that I have to work through, like the winds of life. And this is where in the moment of these things, you and I, as we have these shipwrecks seasons of life, winds and waves, we need to actually press in, not move away from the Lord. The temptation is to actually ask, is God here? Should I move away from him? Because I don't know if I can trust him. But actually, we need to press into the promises of who God is. Promises like, I will never leave you or forsake you. Promises like, I am good. Promises like, um, I am with you always to the ends of the age. Promises like Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I what? Say it. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. You see, it's, it's promises of God in these moments that we need to grab onto if we're going to actually withstand the winds. And this is not lost on Paul. This is not lost on Paul at all. You know why? Because what Paul finds is that God not just said he was with him, God showed him he was with him. I want you to flip or look, look a little past here, chapter 27, beginning in verse 23. Paul, in the midst of storms, this storm, 
The storm's hitting. It's dangerous. The, the centurions are freaking out. Nobody knows what to do. They feel like we're going to sink. And Paul, in verse 23, gets everybody together. And he, and he says, listen. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all of those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told, but we must run aground on some island. There's... There's this moment in the midst of this storm where, where an angel of God visits Paul and reminds him of the promise. And the promise is, you will get to Rome. Remember, I, I promised you that you would get to Rome and you are going to get to Rome. This is not going to destroy you and every single person on this boat will be spared. You need to know that. And Paul clings to it. I want you to notice his language here as he talks to them. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and to whom I worship. Paul's worship had not changed. Paul did not shrink back, though, though he could have asked a question, wait a second, I'm trying to get to Rome like you asked me to do. Why in the world am I in the midst of this storm? Are you, aren't you for me? Aren't you with me? Haven't you called me here? Didn't you tell me to go to Rome? I'm just doing what you asked me to do, and yet I'm in the midst of this thing that seems to kill me. Storms and waves, the boat's breaking apart. I don't even know if we're going to make it, and yet you've called me here, right? Doesn't that, doesn't that sound like what happens to us? We, we just think, God, look, I'm trying to live for you. I'm trying to do my best here, and why am I here? Why did you bring me into this place with this trial, with this season of life? Well, this doesn't make any sense. But like we need to rest in promises. God comes to Paul and says, listen, remember, you will get to Rome. And Paul says, great. Everybody needs to just trust here. Trust me. I have faith in this God. He will do what he promises and we, we will get there. We're going to make it. Though we have to run aground, though this ship has to wreck, there is light on the other side. There is light on the other side, and we need to make sure we understand this. Because, as we, though, though maybe our shipwrecks here isn't an actual shipwreck, we don't, you usually don't go in the Mediterranean Sea on a boat and it sinks. That's just not typically what we do. Uh, we live our life and difficulties arise. Paul's experience here was one of confusion in some ways because God called me here. Surely, why am I here? Why is this boat going to sink? This doesn't make any sense. But his trust is firmly rooted in the God whom he worships. Is yours? Is yours? Is mine? When the boat is sinking, when the waves are crashing, where is your trust? Where is your hope? Where is your joy? Is it in the God whom you worship or does it become something else? I think this is just a question we need to ask. We need to make sure we grow in this. And if it wasn't enough, the ship sinks and Paul, everybody's saved and Paul's like, great. And then he goes on shore and he gets bit by a snake and everybody thinks he's gonna die. So it's just one more thing, right? You ever get those one more thing moments? Great. 
Like life stinks, but I think we're past it. Oh, one more thing. One more live stream fail. Like this is just the way that it works, right? This is, how, this is how our life kind of functions. It's just one more thing after another sometimes. You ever have a one more thing moment? When was the last time you had a one more thing moment? Maybe you're thinking of something yesterday. Just when I thought it couldn't get worse, I get bit by a snake. Not just a snake, a viper. Those things are, they'll kill you, right? So here he is, and everybody wonders what's happening, and then they don't see him die, and they start to worship Paul, and he's like, don't do that. But then you know what God does? As Paul is on this island, God begins to work through Paul for these people. For these people on this island. If you take a look at verse 8, of 28, we read that it happened that the father of Publius, which we talked about, lay sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly, and when we were about to, set, when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. Look, God provides it might seem like, why, why am I having a shipwreck? Well, you know why? It seems like because people on the island need to know who Jesus was. And so Paul, before he went to Rome, got him to this island. He met the people. He got bit by a viper. So everyone, who is this guy? And then he begins to work through Paul. And, and who knows how many people came to know Christ. But God's always at work. And we need to make sure we get this. We need to make sure we understand this. Listen, God is still in the storms of life. He hasn't left. He hasn't gone away. You can trust him, work on the promises. Look, you might be thinking, well, that's great because Paul's promises that he got was like an actual promise from God who stood before him and said something to him and we don't get that. So it's harder for us to actually, you know, I, it's hard to make a one-to-one and I would say, yes, except we have a whole book of promises, Look, when you read your Bible, one of the ways to help is to maybe actually picture God speaking to us from it. Is there, is there a face on the page when you're reading it? Speaking promises, telling you what's to come, giving you hope for the future, helping you understand who he is. If you don't see the Bible that way, start to see the Bible that way. Because I think then you'll, you'll take a look at these times where Paul is visited by an angel of God, and you'll go, I'm not visited by an angel of God, but, but I have many words of promises here that helps me. We need to make sure we grasp that. Listen, God is still in the storms of life, but how do we get to the place of more deeply believing this day to day? It's a question that we want to answer. I have two things. Two things, then we're done. The first one is this. Remember that small belief becomes big belief. Remember that small belief becomes big belief. See, the more we trust God, the more that we will see him in the storms. And actually, we're going to see him still in the storms. We're going to see him still in the storms. Not, not continually there, but serenely there. Calmly there in the storms. He is still. He is not freaking out. He, he doesn't run away. He doesn't know, he's not like throwing up his arms going, I don't know what to do. It doesn't phase him in storms. God is still. He is calm. 
in the storms. And the more we see and trust God, the more we'll understand that this is true. God is always working where he wants us to be. He's always at work. John Piper, who's a pastor and an author, one time said that God is doing a thousand things in every one thing that he does. And we can't see all the thousand things. We might see one of them or two of them and think, okay, this is great. But there is a thousand things God is doing that we don't know. But if we believe that and if we've, we've trusted him and the longer we live and the longer we understand and the longer we believe in the small moments and trust him in the small moments and watch him work and fulfill his promises to us in the small moments, the more we'll trust him and believe those things in the bigger moments, in the bigger storms. We can, we can believe him when it's just a, a drizzle of life. We can begin believing in the small faith. Okay, small belief. I'm trusting you, God. It's a very small thing, a drizzle. And the more we do that when the hurricanes of life come, We've seen him work in the drizzle and we believed and trusted and watched him work and we'll see him work in the hurricanes. And church, we need to understand this and grasp it. Small belief becomes big belief. The more we trust him, the more when bigger things come, we'll trust him. That's one. So are you doing that? Are you a person that actively in the midst of difficulty, are you thinking, do I trust the Lord here? Or you're the kind of person when that hits, you just panic and you don't know what to do and you complain, which, look, I'm not above complaining, so I complain too. But, but is, it, is it more like I mostly complain or is it, is it I complain and then I remember, okay, wait, if, if, if God's at work and he's still in the storms of life, can I trust him? I can, okay, I'm gonna walk this out and I'm gonna search the scriptures and know the promises. If you're not doing that, that's step one, all right? If you're not doing that, when difficulty arises, it's step one. Find God in those moments. Remember that small belief becomes big belief. The small things, we trust him for it. We will, then we will trust him for it when the big things hit. We need to walk that trajectory out. And second is this. Remember that what you know and what you feel may be different. What you know and what you feel may be different. And that's okay. That's okay. But remember that they're different and what you know is more important. Listen, feelings can be deceptive. They can deceive us. They can lie to us. But the truth of the scriptures does not do that and it never will. Jesus will never lie to you. Jesus will never go back on his promises. It is objective truth that you can put your confidence in and your hope in. Knowing truth and feeling that it's true can be different. Knowing it's true and feeling that it's true can be different things. But we want to make sure that we know that it's true. Our emotions are deceiving, but, but God's goodness is not. This leads us to, to one of our values, is being purposely biblical. We want to be purposely biblical. It's a value that we have as we think about this one reality, as we, as we consider this uh, understanding that, that what we know and what we feel may be different. Look, if we believe that God is good and God is on the move and God is at work, then what we need to do is say, okay, I'm going to believe that that's true, though it doesn't feel like that's true. We want to be purposely biblical. It's one thing to be biblical. It's nothing to be purposely biblical. Are we applying the scriptures? Are we resting in them? Are we walking them out? We want to make sure that we do that. Remember that what you know and what you feel 
may be different things. And in this season, we've had a lot of opportunities, I think, to uh, apply this, haven't we? I mean, you, you individually, but man, there's a lot of things where we just think, what in the world is going on? It doesn't feel like God's good. It doesn't feel like God's here. Did God leave the world? Like, what's happening right now? But, he's, but he hasn't, and he won't, because he promises that he won't. Look, God is still in the storms of life. He hasn't left you. He hasn't left me. I'm going to call the band up. He hasn't left me. He hasn't left you. He is still good. His promises will never fail. What if we were a church that as we continue to live out this life of just multiplying the, the, you know, from Acts, multiplying disciples and churches through us, through disciples and churches. What if in the midst of that, we became also a church that in the midst of chaos became like Paul, who stood amongst the people who were panicking and said, look, here's what I know to be true. This is what God promised. And we're going to live this out and we're going to walk through. What, what do you think would happen in the community? as people saw that. Because you know what I think people see a lot of times is everybody's panicky. But church, as Christians, we don't have to be panicky because we have a king who is over everything. He's the king over COVID-19. He's the king over elections. He's the king over every kind of thing in our own individual lives. He rules it all. And so our trust is in him, just like Paul's was here. And there are people in your communities who are looking for hope. There are people in your communities that are looking for something to hold on to. You know what you have? Here's the greatest part that you have. You have all the hopelessness in that person's life can be fixed in a moment through faith in Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that life becomes easy, but what it does mean is that the hopelessness that they may feel and the confusion they may feel can be reconciled on the cross and the empty tomb. We want to make sure that we are proclaiming that in the midst of chaos. Our message shouldn't be one of adding to chaos. It should be one of bringing um, an answer to questions that people have. And if anybody at home or if anybody here in this room does not believe that they are Christians because they have never thought about it, maybe you haven't given it thought that Jesus uh, died for sins and that you could have hope when you're feeling hopeless, look, that's the gospel message. The gospel message is that you need someone to save you from yourself, from what's inside of you. And when Jesus died and rose again, he did that. And you just need to believe, that's it. Doesn't, doesn't take a whole lot of work. Just trust in him. Look, if, if we were a church that consistently proclaimed that message in our communities, not panicky, but calmly, because, because Jesus is, is there with us, I just wonder what God might do. Don't you? Don't you wonder what God might do? Look, God is on the move. Are we trusting him? Are we walking with him in every single storm of life? Let's make sure that we do that for his glory. Let's sing one more song and then we'll close.